Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. Yes, I embellished on that because Mitch made fun of me last week. <laughs> All right, but we just finished up watching the draft, and I think it's pretty safe to say that as Suns fans, we should all be pretty excited about what happened today. The Suns picked up Josh Jackson with the fourth pick, Davon Reed with the 32nd pick, and Alec Peters at number 54. So we will talk about what these guys bring to the table and how they will fit on the Suns roster. I'm Charlie Erling, and I have Mitch Krumpetich and David McGraw with me. How's it going, guys? You know, I've been describing today to all of my non-Suns fan friends as my Game 7. Today is the most exciting day of the Phoenix Suns season, so uh, I'm doing pretty well right now. I don't want to say this is the most exciting day, but I'm pretty excited. Maybe the Summer League Championship will be the most exciting day for us this year. Well, yeah, that that could be the case, too. But so far, this is a highlight. Make sure to get a hold of us on social media. Our Twitter is at SunnyInPHXPod. Our email is SunnyInPHXPod at gmail.com. And check us out over at our new host, the Deepish Thoughts Podcast Network, over at DeepishThoughts.com. Thanks for listening to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast. If you'd like to further support the show, you can head over to tpublic.com slash user slash Sunny and PHX. That's tepublic.com slash user slash Sunny and PHX. We've got t-shirts, mugs, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. You can get our famous cheese is warming up design or just one that says Sunny and PHX. Again, tpublic.com slash user slash Sunny and PHX. And go Suns! All right, so we're going to talk about the draft and the things that get us excited, like maybe winning a summer league championship. But Josh Jackson might be the guy that helps us out big time in the summer league. I am very excited to have him here. And just to get the chance to watch him to play in a month here that's pretty exciting stuff so before we get too far into the whole deal um is this how you guys saw this playing out heading into the draft today did you see us landing jackson at four so last week david and i talked about our mock draft and it was before all of the uh sixers and the boston trade went down so once that happened I kind of had a better idea that we would get Jackson because there were all these rumors that Boston really wanted Tatum. Um, And especially today, before the draft started, those became a lot stronger. So once I started started hearing those things, I just thought, you know, if Jackson is available at four, I'm sure we'll take him. I don't think there's anyone else we would take. And that's what happened. You know, I thought everything was just smoke and mirrors. I didn't believe... For a second, I told you guys on our Slack channel that until, like, the Celtics call out Tatum as the pick, or as Adam Silver calls it out, I will not believe for a second that Josh Jackson is not going number three. And I I felt like it was a lot of the same smoke that has been the last couple of years where it's been things like, oh, Jalen Brown's going to drop, and someone like Marquise Chris or Bender is going to go number three or some stuff before that. And that's honestly what I thought it was, was more just smokescreen trying to get either teams to be 
um, to trade up or to try and sell the farm for something else. And, you know, I, I didn't see it happening. I don't care what anyone said. I just, maybe it's just because I'm a pessimist or whatever, but uh, I, I didn't see it coming. And I, that's a good thing. Right. And all day today, reading about the possible Porzingis trade, the Knicks trying to get rid of him, to us or to the Celtics, when I saw that deal with the Celtics, I thought, okay, Knicks are going to trade up. They're going to get in at three. They're going to take Jackson. And then we'll be sitting there at four with absolutely nothing and then have to take Tatum. I don't think taking Tatum would have been the worst thing in the world by any means, but we all had high hopes for Jackson and we're all really excited that he's here now. So let's talk a little bit about how he's going to fit on this roster right away. And I don't know if he's going to be a starter right off the bat or if TJ Warren will be holding down that starting small forward position, but slotting him in there with Booker really makes a lot of sense to me. The The athleticism, the defensive potential, and just the, the ability to run the court like the Phoenix Suns like to run the court, I could see him being a fit there. But also on the bench, too, being a huge spurt off the bench right off from the start of the season, I think. So what do you guys think? You know, Josh Jackson is different from our picks last year in being that he is a much more polished player. And while every round, every pick really is a project in a sense, he can contribute right away on whatever team he would have been drafted to. I don't think that's any different for the Suns. This isn't going to be like last year where we decide to eventually start Chris a couple games really into the season or a month and a half, whatever it was, and have Bender really just play spot minutes here or there because of the project and all that. He he is ready. He can be able to contribute right away. And that means that I think it's really going to come down to training camp and preseason on whether or not he gets the heavy minutes right away and possibly starting, or if we keep it with TJ and have him start. Well, and here's what I like with that. There's a couple things. One, I think this will be really good for TJ to have a challenge. I think what I would do at least is start TJ at first and say, this is your spot, but Jackson has every opportunity to take it and switch roles with you, and then you'll come off the bench. So, you know, earn this spot and then challenge Jackson as well and say, we know that you have the capabilities of being a starter. Show us that you can do that and maybe you'll earn more minutes. So I really like, I think they're going to have a lot of friendly competition and a good challenge there. And then two, this is going to be great for small ball lineups. If we want to run Chris at the five, TJ at the four and Jackson at the three with Bledsoe and Booker, I mean, defense might really suffer but that would be so much fun on offense. Yeah, you make a really good point about how this will push T.J. Warren, and if you think about it, he was behind P.J. Tucker in the past. He had to battle with P.J. every day in practice, and now he's the vet. He has a rookie coming in behind him, and maybe maybe that's something that maybe kicks T.J. Warren into like a, a leadership role of some sort becoming a little more vocal, letting himself be known a little bit more to the team. I'd really like to see that out of TJ. 
and maybe that push from Jackson will bring out the best of TJ. That's what I'm really hoping for. I, I still think that this is, I agree, it's TJ's spot to lose. I think that he will have every opportunity to start, but I don't think that it's his starting job for the entire season. Yeah, we'll have to see about that. And just the, the contrast of those two guys who will be our small forwards next year. It's like fire and ice, really. We got Josh Jackson jump out of the gym, fly down the court, and then there's TJ Warren who's a little bit more of a slow and steady type guy. I just like the variance between those two. It'll it'll be uh, tough for our teams to match up with two six eight guys who can do pretty much everything on the basketball court and we have both of them at our disposal at any time yeah i'm really excited to see the ability to play both of them together but also alternate between the two of them because i completely agree i think that both of them have the ability to kind of handle the ball in short stretches here or there um jackson a little bit more than just the short stretches and you know jackson already was saying it his like little interview right after he was drafted that he can he believes that he can guard one through four and I think he has that drive to really be great which is you know you have to question that because some guys can be just complacent with just being good but I think that he really has that drive along with a lot of the top picks in this draft in general yeah I agree with that but I think along with that, we need to talk about how he has a little bit of a temper and can have issues with foul trouble like a lot of our young team right now. So he'll fit right in trying to figure out how to stay out of foul trouble and keep emotions in check. But I think overall, I really do like having an emotional team and a very passionate, charged team. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but the other thing, talking a little bit about minutes between TJ and Jackson... What I imagine happening is that um, they probably will split minutes pretty evenly and it won't really matter who's starting and who's not because I just think, like you guys have been saying, the contrast in their games, that's hard for teams to defend. So giving them fairly equal minutes I think will help throwing teams off a little bit with their defensive scheming. So I imagine their minutes will look pretty equal um, throughout the season, but we'll see. And that's something really nice that we could kind of just settle into is this draft pick in Josh Jackson is a guy that will log big minutes this year. He has every ability to do that. While last year, when we drafted Chris and Bender, we really weren't sure who was going to take the lead at the start who was gonna get the most playing time so having Jackson is more of a sure thing that feels pretty nice yeah as I said you know he's he's definitely got some more polish and it's not just because we didn't draft two small forwards in the lottery um but both Chris and Bender were projects and are still projects whereas uh, as I kind of said earlier Jackson has a lot more polish and he has things to work on and he will be able to improve and all those kind of things but he's I guess he's less of an unknown quantity or whatever you might say and you know going back a little bit I've got PJ Tucker on the mind right now when we lost him I was worried about what are we going to do for defense on the wing 
Dudley, great basketball IQ. The athleticism just isn't there anymore to hang with a lot of those threes or fours athletically, really. So, man, just having Jackson that who can definitely be a good defender, who has all the tools to be a great defender, coming in to replace P.J. overall from last season, that feels really nice. Yeah, 100%. The ability to be also all the things that we were so frustrated with P.J. about and uh, the frustration with kind of his game and the ability for Jackson to be that defensive guy, that hard-nosed defense, and much more is very exciting. So I brought this up today right after we drafted him, I believe. I said, I I don't want to offend anybody here. This is just a bit of a comparison, but I thought, could Jackson be like a Sean Marion with more offensive potential? What do you guys think about that? I mean, my response was something I won't share on the show. But You were excited. um, I'm very excited at that opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, if he is a Sean Marion type, if he is a, you know, Philly Iguodala type, I'm 100% down with that. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. And uh, if Josh Jackson can even just be that kind of player, it's 100% a win and steal in my book. I just I think that overall this is just a great pick and I think it's the pick that we were all hoping for all along but once we saw that we got four we didn't think it was going to be possible so I'm just trying to go back to that mindset of before the lottery like oh we're gonna get Jackson and how excited I was for that I'm back there again yep the hype is alive for sure so let's move on to the next pick where at Number 32, the Suns took shooting guard Davon Reed out of the University of Miami. I think this pick surprised a lot of people, but we all need to remember that this was a guy we brought in for two separate workouts pre-draft. So there was obviously something that the Suns saw in him that we really liked, perhaps more than a lot of the other teams in the league. But... From what we know, what do you guys think about Reed? Well, if I'm going to break it down as basically as I can, I start with looking that he went to Miami. Miami traditionally is a run-and-gun type team, very fast transition scoring, and defense. And we need defense, and our offense is very fast. So very simply, that's a good fit. He's also long. He's, I think, 6'5 with a 7-foot wingspan, which I love. The only problem I have with all of this, like, I think it's a great fit. I, I know we like him, brought him in for two workouts. We obviously like him. But I think he would have been available at our last pick. And we might have been able to get someone else at 32. But, I mean, this was a huge reach. Hopefully it pays off. Uh, overall, good fit, though. So one quick note about taking a read at 32 so we got Alec Peters at with that 54 pick, and he was, I think he was ranked number 31 on Draft Express heading into today. So if we would have picked Peters at 32 and then Reed at 54, 
I wouldn't have batted an eye at that. I would have thought that was normal. So overall, I think it all probably worked out, even though the read pick was surprising. Well, and it does work out, but the thing that I find interesting is if you look at that list on Draft Express of the top 100 products, Peters is 31, but in their mock draft, they have him going undrafted, which I don't really understand. Why would your number 31 prospect go undrafted in a draft that has 60 picks? But whatever. That is interesting, and it's not like Draft Express is the gospel or anything. We don't have to believe everything it says, but... That that is that is right. something surprising. I mean, Draft Express is supposed to kind of try and emulate some of the unpredictability of the draft, and the fact that even if a pick or a player is considered high on their board, that just because of something such as um, lack of ability to grow and some other things, that a player sometimes won't get drafted because of that if they're older and. They're kind of already what they're going to be, whereas guys with a little bit more potential and athleticism are always drafted higher almost than they should be. So, especially with this pick, I think we we definitely have to remember how important it is right now in the NBA for wings in general and length. I mean, wings are super important right now it, I, the wing is almost more important than the point guard in the NBA. You need elite wings to be able to succeed. And that's kind of the Golden State role right now is that they have uh, Clay Thompson and they had an Iggy, but now they have a Kevin Durant. And while Steph Curry makes the entire thing work, those elite two-way wings are super important to what they do defensively. And that's the reason why they are the number one defense in the league. So I think that for that reason, we felt that with Josh Hart going at 30, that we needed to pounce on a wing with potential, with the ability to defend at a high level, because look, Devin Booker just isn't that guy right now, or he might not be that guy to be able to defend it with potential, which is why the fit with Josh Jackson is really, is really good because Josh Jackson can take on the more demanding role on defense, whereas Booker can take the lesser role. But being able to put other guys out there that can defend well and have fresh legs is super important. And I think that's kind of where this is why this pick is here. And probably he would have been picked shortly after us, I think, if we didn't pick him. So something I like about the NBA right now and how we're moving towards positionless basketball is I like players who play bigger than they actually are, just like Draymond Green. I'm not comparing him to Draymond Green, but that type of role that Draymond plays nowadays. So we have Davon Reed. He's 6'5", 6'6". He's got the 7-foot wingspan, 206. He's known as a 3 and D guy. So with that extra length especially the seven foot wingspan that's something that's going to allow him to play bigger than he actually is so he can play shooting guard and small forward as far as I'm concerned and you know what maybe in some very small ball lineups maybe he plays a little four technically so that'll be something we have to see but the three and d prospect out of Reed is what gets me pretty excited shot just under 40 percent 
his senior year from three. 39.5 for his career, so he was consistent there, which is nice to see. Plus, he was an all-ACC defensive team member. So that spells out the 3 and D. Great basketball IQ out of him, too. So I can see him fitting in really well coming off the bench for our backcourt. And with that size, that's something we kind of lack aside from Devin Booker when it comes to the guards with Euless, Bledsoe, Knight, none being taller than 6'3". I think a nice size wing in Reed will be perfect to come off the bench for us. I think it's really important to remember also that he was a senior. So he's going to be a guy that can come in and contribute just about right away as a backup. And you also have to remember that that maybe if he was mocked later on, it is because he was a senior and he kind of is already what he's going to be. Malcolm Brogdon dropped a ton last year and became a solid role player for the Bucks. I mean, it's kind of that people are afraid to draft these older players because you want as much upside as possible. But these guys are guys that can go in and aren't really like rookies, are almost like veterans and can contribute right away. So let's move things on to the 54th pick of the draft where we took big man Alec Peters, the senior out of Valparaiso. And yeah, just he had that high draft express ranking, but I think, yeah, like you said earlier, he wasn't on their mock draft, but that 31 ranking had me excited when I realized that we snatched him up at 54. So um, Peters, top 20 in scoring and rebounding in the NCAA last year. Senior, 6'9". I think he's got, let me, 6'9". I think he's 6'8 with a 6'9 wingspan or 6'9 with a 6'8 wingspan. I think he has a longer. I think he's it's got an inch longer wingspan. So whatever that is, yeah, yeah, six eight, six yep. nine wingspan. And what does he weigh? Two thirty five. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we got a twenty two year old senior, another senior coming out. He has a sit. Oh, excuse me, cut that. So back to his output this year, though twenty two and a half points per game, just under ten rebounds, and two point three assists per game. He's a shooter. He has great IQ, eighty almost 89% from the line. So we know he can be an offensive threat, but the defensive part of his game is where the big question mark is. So how do you guys see Peters fitting in this year? Watching his highlights, the first thing I see is kind of a John Moore type of player. Yeah. And th- that's kind of what pops out to me right away. Not going to be a guy in the NBA who is a first option like he was in college and is asked to go put up 20 and 10 but instead a guy that'll come off the bench he'll be an energy in quotes type big be able to space the floor be able to if there's a mismatch kind of try and exploit it and has the ability to bring down offensive rebound which helps with the whole energy type of role uh he shows he has some decent defensive instincts and has some potential there but the defense wasn't really there in college and I don't think he's going to be asked to asked about it that or asked to show that very much on the pro level when he is playing a backup position and not really going up against starter players right I agree with all of that and 
one thing that I usually say when it comes to these late round, late second round kind of guys, and even just all second round kind of guys really, is they need to find one thing that they can really specialize in and go from there. And I think with Peters, it's his rebounding. I love that he almost averaged 10 rebounds a game. That's great. But he's a guy that I see a lot of time spending in the it's, – it's now the G League, but I really don't want to call it the G <laughs> League. So the D League, the NBA Development League. I think he'll see a lot of time with the Northern Arizona Suns. I think so too. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that he will probably be a farm league kind of guy. Let's just come up with different things that we can call the development league. Um, he can be a farm league kind of guy, and uh, you know, I we kind of have a log jam now at power forward. We have quite a few different things while still trying to um, build Dragon Bender and Chris up. So we kind of don't have a need necessarily for there, but we do have the ability to call him up if need be, have an extra roster spot for him and be able to kind of send him back and forth and use him as just an extra depth guy for right now. And if, you know, he becomes a solid bench player, then good. And if not, it was just a 54 right. pick. And Mitch, I really like what you said about his ability to be a rebounder and the rest of his game just projects to being a true spread. the uh, a true stretch big man is what he's going to look like. So if he can be one of the bigger guys on the court and we're still not getting out rebounded because he's holding his own down there, I think that that'll be the best situation, but we'll see if that takes a year or two. Well, and the thing I think about is Tyson Chandler is not going to put up the rebounding numbers that he did last year. You know, he, he had an, a great year on the boards. I don't see that happening again with his age. I mean, he's still a great rebounder, and he always will be, but it'll be nice to every once in a while be able to bring uh, Peters up from the D-League and give Tyson a night of rest and not have to worry about getting destroyed on the glass. You know, I think that rebounding is one of those definite traits that that almost always, I'm not going to say always does, but most of the time it translates pretty well, even if it's just on the offensive end. Uh, rebounding is a lot of instincts, a lot of no, trying to figure out where the ball is going to go, and a lot of the time that translates pretty well. So right. that Body is a positioning too. Exactly, that's a good thing for going for Peters, and possibly why you know he is something like on Draft Express, he's on the number thirty-one on the big board because of the fact that that rebounding is important, and if you don't have a guy rebounding, you're going to get crushed. Just nothing put or nothing and said, one whatever. more thing about rebounding that you guys missed is the heart you got to go for it and this is a guy who everyone says he has great work ethic and each year at valparaiso he he progressed and got better each and every year so i this is a guy that man i'd really like to see us use the g league and isn't there uh, two extra roster spots that might be happening this season? This is yep. just perfect for this for this situation, right. I'd say. So, yeah, roster spots got bumped up to seventeen with the new with the new bargaining agreement. Well, and that's another thing. Not every team has their own minor league affiliate, and since we're one of the teams who was lucky enough to have our own, we have to utilize it, and that gives us 
a little bit of an edge over the teams who don't have a one-to-one affiliate. And shout out to the Suns for keeping it close. They're just up in Prescott Valley, so I think that's a big deal when it comes to the the D-League. You don't want your guy like the Miami Heat and the Sioux Falls Sky Force are partnered up. That can't be fun to fly into Sioux Falls from Miami to go play a stint in the G League, man. That would be rough. (laughs) It's definitely nicer just driving up for like an hour and a half, two hours to Prescott Valley or down to Phoenix if needs be, whichever one. Okay, so we got through that pretty quick. How about we do – let's talk about – the big surprises from the draft or the things that stuck the stuck out the most to you guys. David, what what was yours? I mean, is it cheating to just say that Jimmy Butler getting traded for Chris Dunn, Zach Levine off an ACL tear, and Laurie Markinen? I mean, it has to be that, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it almost feels like cheating, but, like, at the same time, like that's the offer that the bulls are going to go with plus they give up their set their 16 pick who becomes justin Patton. like i don't i don't know man like that's something that chicago fans should not be happy about especially after butler just came out and continued to say that he just wanted to stay in chicago and didn't want to go anywhere and i I don't know that's that's just a really questionable decision in my opinion because yeah maybe you think laurie can be good and more than just like a Channing Fry or Ryan Anderson, but man, that's not a good haul, especially since Chris Dunn has pretty low like, you got you got to think that there's not like really that big of a trade market for him. Right. Right. Well, and so I still think the Bulls made a lot of really stupid decisions, but I'm going to justify it just a little bit. And Keep in mind that it was Jalen Rose and Jay Billis and those guys talking about this, so take it with a grain of salt. But what they said was last year uh, the Wolves offered the Bulls a very similar deal, saying have our pick, have Zach Levine, and uh, that must have been it because Chris Dunn wasn't on the team that was the pick. And the Bulls were like, no way. And so this year they offered the same thing plus this year's pick, which turned into Markinen. They're like, well, it's better than last year, so let's go with it. And I'm like, it still isn't a very good reason to do that, but that's the reasoning that they explained on the broadcast. And that's the only thing that helps me make one inkling of sense of it. But yeah, the Bulls... The Bulls are like... It's like the bears are rubbing off on them or something. It's just a Chicago thing. My thing is, yeah. <laughs> why did the Timberwolves get the 16th pick too? They got Patton, the center, out of Creighton, I believe, with that pick. Why did that get thrown in? I, I mean, that that just seems pretty uh, pretty lopsided to me. I, I grew up in the Midwest. I have a bunch of buddies that are Timberwolves fans. One shot me a text today, and he was like, I'm really excited that we just got Jimmy Butler. Should I be this excited? And I was like, yeah, you, I think you just robbed him yes. pretty much. So <laughs> You did. If you're a T-Wolves fan, you should be jumping for joy still. You right. shouldn't have stopped. <laughs> I am not a T-Wolves fan, and I am pretty excited to watch them play next year. They're spooky right. with four or five zeros now. 
<laughs> yeah, they're, they're spooky, <laughs> but like actually kind of legitimately spooky and possibly a playoff team, and a little Too bit more than possibly. Okay. Uh, I I don't I don't know maybe <laughs> maybe Thibodeau is really just like a master negotiator that we didn't know because he was never maybe. a GM. That wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so the thing that surprised me a little bit does come back to the Bulls making a co- somewhat questionable move. Maybe not so much, but oh, yeah. the Bulls doing it. But the fact that it resulted in the Warriors really scoring big on this was their their trade. To get the pick to draft Jordan Bell, Jordan Bell's on the Warriors now, and I don't feel good about that at all. That makes me so sad. The, oh my gosh, I do not like that one bit. And the man. Bulls just got cash three point five million bucks. What are they rather thinking? than taking Jordan Bell and letting <laughs> Jordan it. Bell go to the Warriors? Oh my like the gosh. rich get richer, the dumb get dumber. Chicago, I'm I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> what a joke like like i mean i know that we won 24 games last year but at least we're not the bulls <laughs> <laughs> for real like i i was so afraid that we were gonna make some dumb move but instead chicago just made all the dumb moves so we didn't have to worry about it like i, I don't know that that jordan bell for just cash like you couldn't get anything from that. Like they got Patrick McCaw at like the end of the first slash, like the second last year. And Patrick McCaw was doing more work than Ian Clark was in the finals. But now like they're just gifted Jordan bell. Like they, the warriors, like they're fine with like, okay, here's 3.5 million. We'll take this guy. Like that's fine. Did the bulls lose a bet or something? (laughs) Like that's what it seems like. Or were the Warriors just like, I dare you to trade us Jordan Bell? Like, I don't... It's so childish, almost. Yeah, that that's just tough tough to believe it happened. And then especially just ending up on the Warriors, it, it just piles up on top of itself, and it, it really bugs me. But anyways, Mitch, what stuck out to you other than the obvious Bulls idiocy? Well, I mean, you know what I'm going to say already. <laughs> and that's I have to talk about Zach Collins getting drafted at 10 by the Kings originally but that pick was traded to Portland and I'm so excited to see Zach Collins not have to go far and play in Portland I think that's going to be awesome for him and to see him play with Lillard and um, just all those guys I think he's going to be a great fit and then uh, Nigel Williams Goss going 55 to Utah I was super excited about that uh, I wasn't sure if he would even get drafted at all. Um, I'm really happy he did, and Utah is a historically a great place for Zags to play. So, really excited for him. Historically a great place for Zag to play. <laughs> for um, Zag to play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I am pretty excited about Portland getting Zach Collins. And Zach Collins, I think, is going to be pretty good. And... Get, being able to not have to go someplace and have to put up numbers, but instead going to a place like Portland where they're expecting guys like Dame and CJ to just put the team on their back. They have Yusuf Nurkic that will put up some numbers and you can kind of just be there, possibly have the chance to start at power forward for them and just space the floor and 
be athletic. Not a bad I, deal whatsoever. No, I, I'm sure he'll start at center. And, like, they have some post-game now, and it's going to be nice. Start at center over Nurkic. Mm. Can Nurkic play the four? No, Zach Collins will probably play the four. Okay, fine. It'll be like a dual center kind of thing. See, that's going to be interesting, though, if they both start. Maybe they both won't. Maybe Zach Collins will keep coming off the bench like he did at Gonzaga. Um, but who, like, it just gives them another scoring threat inside instead of CJ and Damian Lillard having to do everything from the perimeter. Yeah, and a lot of people are talking about how the Kings did really well in this draft, and I think they did. But that being said, while someone like Justin Jackson would have been possibly a solid fit in Portland since they need a wing, I I don't know. I just really like the Zach Collins pick and the the ability for him to go to Portland and get minutes there. I think that the Kings did well in drafting, which is kind of a first, but... I don't think jumping on the praises of the Kings right now too much is is I, I mean like I guess it's warranted, but it's not as warranted warranted as it should be. I it's guess easy to, to say, say that the Kings definitely did a better job this year compared to last year. What are you talking about? Scal yeah. is better than Marquis Chris right now, and Bogdan yeah, Bogdanovich right. is going to be just incredible when he finally makes his way over to the states, whenever that may be. Yeah. It'll be another three years. He'll, he'll be 32 when he comes <laughs> on the Kings roster after they've had his rights for a decade. Yeah, 38-year-old rookie. Yeah, he'll be like the Pablo European Ronnie Pablo Prigioni. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marco Bellinelli. Man, talking about <laughs> just foreign now, guys. Now I'm just naming foreign players. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nicholas Batum, you know. Okay, shout out to me for pronouncing Frank Nilakina's last name right. <laughs> Randomly just guessing about it. What was it two weeks ago or whatever it was? Like, shout out to me. I feel really good about that. And I've sat there trying to pronounce it out loud by myself, and I still. <laughs> I'm not struggle. even going to attempt right now. But I will say, I was happy when we drafted Alec Peters because he just sounds like a good old boy from the farm, and I can handle that name no problem. I, I like that so. <laughs> yeah we don't have any crazy names this year crazy spellings really i mean like davon fine no it's, it's not, not even spelled all. that weird or but, and we have josh jackson and alec peters like no crazy names let's not, let's not overlook something very important though and that's josh jackson's hair like it's pretty incredible and to see him put that hat that on was there, impressive that was a sight to be it was what i was you expecting know, it he was, was co- he so. was committed. <laughs> he was committed to the hat. He didn't go the De'Aaron Fox route and tell teams that whoever drafted him needed to bring a visor. He was committed to putting it over the afro, and I was kind of surprised not to see the braids going like going on because I thought that was his new look. But apparently, see, he just really you know, liked the afro. If you draft a guy really number like five, like you can't pull together a visor to give him as a request like what does that say for the future of his career in sacramento like i mean to be fair he did get a visor oh, after he did? The fact I, I didn't see that and posted a, he, he posted a picture on instagram of him driving to the hotel or whatever with his giant diamond watch and a, and a king's visor on did it look dope it looked pretty great i'm not gonna lie you know i i, I would talk i would talk smack but it, it looked pretty great mm. 
I am I am a little <laughs> sad that uh, Fox is going to the Kings because I really like him. You know what? I can't think of a better time to end the show after De'Aaron Fox visor talk, so I think we should wrap it up here. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next week, not Monday, but the following Monday. This is our podcast for the weekend, so we'll see you guys then. We'll start talking some free agency. Hop into Summer League a little bit more. We got some good stuff coming. See you next week. Go Suns.